Uh, now, my guest is a Dundalk native, but she's joining me from her home in eastern France. And she's been chosen as one of 13 people who will receive the Presidential Distinguished Service Award for the Irish Abroad for 2023. She has quite a story. Good morning, Maria Doyle-Couche. How are you? Good morning, Brendan. Good morning, Ireland. And I'm grand and I'm delighted to be with you this morning. Thank uh, you so much. I, I, I fell down a YouTube warren with you last night. I'm fascinated. So, first of all, let's talk about Eurovision 1985. Before we talk about why you're being awarded, go on, tell me about Eurovision. <laughs> well, 1985, mm-hmm. um, I was chosen. I did the National Song Competition. You know, at the time, it was just unbelievable to be even picked to do the National Song Contest. Of course. I sang a Brendan Graham song. And I Brendan sang Graham, last, just I to say, hit. just Brendan mm-hmm. Graham wrote a couple of winners, Rock and Roll Kids, The Voice. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote as well, You Raised Me Up. You and know, that a wonderful huge song, song, You Raised yeah, Me Up. Brilliant. So, mm, I mean, unbelievable. this is a, So, 1985, this is a, a, a life changing moment for you, right? Yeah, and it's live. You know, everything at the time was live with the orchestras, and it was just unbelievable to do that, you know, especially where I was coming from, you know, from Dundalk. And, you know, I had no managers, and I was doing it all by myself, and Daddy was helping me at the time. Now, Maria, before you and tell me more of the story, can we do something for you? Indulge a Eurovision fan here who actually, I watched the, your performance three times having read some of the more of the information you're going to tell us in a minute. Can we play a little clip of your performance? Would you mind? Oh, I'd love that. I'd love it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait until the weekend comes Then we'll have what time it takes To sort it out To see it through Wait until the weekend comes Sunday's over Change your mind and make you laugh about me and you. Really How does it feel hearing that? When have you listened to that recently? And, and- Oh, I do with the children. It brings a lot of emotion to me because, you know, I left Ireland, you know, I emigrated. And I suppose when I stood on that stage, I was first on, you know, Ireland was open the competition that year. And I didn't really know what was ahead of me, Brendan, you know, as a child, well, as a teenager. Um, I remember when I came home, I had no family at that because at the time, you know, it just wasn't the thing to do. And they wouldn't have had the money to come over to the Eurovision in Sweden at the time. And Mammy watched it um, in a council house on a wee TV screen. And I remember I rang... she rang me from the neighbour's house because she didn't even have a phone. And she said, Maria, you had stars in your eyes tonight. And all those memories come back. You know, it's a bit like the words of the song. So it just brings a lot of emotion to me, Brendan, a lot. And and there's a, a big element about your person that was is fascinating about what, just even watching that performance. First of all, <clears throat> your taffeta dress is so reminiscent of the time. And you look extraordinary on stage. And you... And I don't look blind. Well, <laughs> you can see it. Well, tell me, <laughs> tell me about that. That's just fascinating to me. Well, my lovely little taffeta dress came from pennies. I paid thirty pound for it at the time. Yeah, I, I didn't have any big designers like you making me a lovely dress, <laughs> and um, and I loved it. And then we pair we pair of shoes that I bought as well in Dunn stores, and. Um, the, the whole situation was that I went blind when I was nine. Now, in the 70s, there was there was nothing for you if you were blind or if you were different, and especially if you were a wee girl. And they sent me to a blind school to become um, a telephone operator. Now, I didn't want to become a telephone operator, so I, rang, I ran away from Dublin and I made it all the way home to Dundalk in County Loud. I had a wee medal around my neck, a wee holy that I got at my communion. And I remember I used to hold on to that wee medal the whole way down to Dundalk. And I 
was 10, Brendan, when I ran away, ran away from St. Mary's School for the Blind. And as I held on to that medal, I'd look up to the sky and I'd say, please, God, don't let them find me. Wow. They didn't. So from that day on, Brendan, I decided not to be blind. I didn't talk about it. I didn't speak about it. And I pretended to be this little girl that could see, you know, and that. So my mind can see like my brain. It can see so I can visualize very quickly when I'm in a place for over maybe five, 10 minutes. I know everything straight away. I have a great memory. You actually yeah. uh, lost your sight at age nine. Is that correct? Nine. nine. Exactly. So nine and a half. I was at school. Can I ask I how? Did you lose your, how did you lose your sight? Well, what happened is I was just at school, like it was autumn, back to school, delighted to be back at school. And all of a sudden I was just looking at the teacher, the blackboard, and she was writing on the blackboard. And everything just started going really fuzzy and weird, like fog. Imagine like a thick fog coming in from everywhere. So I put up my hand and I said, miss, there's something wrong. I just can't distinguish anything anymore. And uh, she said, we'll go on home. And I went home and Mammy held, I don't know if you remember this old salt containers at the time. And and I think they still exist. You know, the red and white tall salt, table salt. And Mammy held that up and she said, read that, read what's on that, Maria. And I said, Mommy, I can't. So she took me up to the eye near hospital. Now, I didn't know what blind meant. You know, when you're nine, nobody around me was blind. Um, nobody had bad eyesight. I didn't know you could go blind. I thought this was like uh, Doctor Who was going to come out of his telephone box and say I was part of a show, like, you know? Yeah. Um, it was just, I didn't know what was really happening. And then within within six weeks, that was it. It was over. Uh, 95% blind, leaving me with just a wee bit of light, which is unbelievable. I'm still, I still know when it's dark and I still know when it's the day. And I, I think that's a miracle. So you've just given me two big pillars of strength. One is that a year later, with your medal in your hand, running away from the blind school and getting back to Dundalk. And the second is performing first at the 1985 Eurovision, probably when Eurovision was at its absolute peak, when it was getting... Oh, it was at its... Yeah. But when people watch the performance, and I urge you to go to YouTube and watch your 1985 performance, you take camera direction flawlessly because you didn't tell people you were blind, did you, at the Eurovision? No, no, no. The only woman that knew about it was the the director, you know, the the producer. Mm. There was a big, huge uh, cross on the stage where the backing singers would leave me. And she knew, you know, even without me talking about it, by the way they were guiding me and they'd bring me onto the stage. I did my same performance every time because every morning for a week you rehearse your song. And because I was first on, I rehearsed at eight o'clock every morning. So I did my same little actions and my same little look. And I would wait until the weekend comes and you can catch the tide. And I would put my... So she knew exactly what I was going to do. And she told the cameras what to do. Wow. So it was wonderful. So it made it look like I could see. And I um, know like Terry Wogan, because he introduced it on BBC like he always does. Mm-hmm. He never guessed that, that that girl singing was blind. And that was a battle for me. It yes. was and it was and I actually won it, if you know what I mean, Brendan. I won it. And especially when I hope you talk about where I actually came from. And at the time, I didn't speak about that either because yeah. I was ashamed. And I never spoke about me and Mammy and where we where I was born. So. And and it's a shame I didn't at the time. So tell us about that. Where were you born? And, and tell us about what, what the start of your life, because your life could have been very different, couldn't it? 
Oh, it could have been totally different, but maybe in a worse way, I think, because um, in actual fact, what happened in the 60s, Mammy got pregnant out of wedlock. And I suppose we all know now in Ireland what that meant in the 60s and the 70s. And she was sent to London, Brendan, uh, to hide her pregnancy. And two priests picked her up in London and they brought her back and she was incarcerated in one of uh, Ireland's Madeleine laundries. Now, I know we call the mother and baby homes today. I don't like calling them that, Brendan, because what happened there and what Mammy went through, um, a home is where you're loved and where you feel safe. And it was the opposite. So I was born in a Madeleine laundry and um, Mum was there for 10 months. And that's where I started my life. And I was called Stephanie. My name was Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, they wanted Mammy to adopt me and give me up. And as they would hold the papers up to, you know, the adoption papers, mm-hmm. the nuns would kind of point at the papers and they'd say, you have nothing to offer your child. You'll be able to do nothing for her. You need to adopt, sign these papers. But there's another battle, another Irish woman that I'd love to say hello to today, my mammy Eileen. And um, she fought like a lion to keep me and she didn't sign those papers. She was willing to stay even two years because after two years, the children were automatically adopted. Um, But she put up that fight and she didn't adopt me. My nanny Isabel from Dundalk at the time taught Mammy was in, in, in England. And um, when she found out that um, her daughter wasn't in England, she did, she, she tore down mountains and rivers and everything <laughs> to find out what her daughter was. And she found us. Wow. And when she found us, she signed us out. She signed us out of the home, out of the Madeleine Laundry. And that was it. I was free. Mammy and me were out. And um, and that was the beginning of my story as Stephanie. And then I became Maria because my nanny had 12 children and the youngest was Stephanie. And she said to Mammy, there's no way can we have two Stephanies under this roof. We have to call her something else. And Mammy said, we'll call her Maria in memory of of her father, her Spanish father, Teodoro Gonzalez Gonzalez. So that's another twist in your in fascinating life story. So when your sight began to fail you're di- at nine years of age, you also then found out who your biological that father was. That my father was. wasn't my father. Exactly. What happened there? <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, well, my daddy, God love him. Can I just say, Maria, your pre- story is Unbelievable! It's an incredible story, and your so your strength is shining through. And I'm just I, I, sorry if I'm asking too many questions, but I'm fascinated by it. And uh, so, Patrick McCabe, plaster the best plaster in Ireland. He could make a wall as smooth as a baby's arse. That's oh. what they used to say about him. <laughs> we let you away with that all the way. That's fr- you're French. Come on, go ahead. <laughs> That's what they'd say. It was really, really lovely. Lovely. And. Um, he came up to the Einar Hospital with Mammy and all the other my other siblings, you know, because I was the eldest. And they all had to go through all these tests because they couldn't figure this out, why I was going blind and oh. how sudden it was. So they were doing all these tests and they did all these tests on Daddy, you know, the genetics and everything. And they said to Mammy, listen, Mrs. McCabe, you have to tell us the truth. Um, we can't find any any proof in the blood test that Patrick is Maria's father. Now, you'll have to let us know because if he is her father, your other children will have the same risk as Maria of going blind wow. because you need the two, the two parents have to have this gene that I was born with. Now, obviously, Mammy had it. She's a, it's called a porter's son. Um, I don't know what, see, I'm forgetting my English. She's a carrier. 
she's a carrier of the disease. And my Spanish daddy was a carrier of the disease. And the two of them give me the the bad gene. And that's what made me blind. But because Patrick obviously wasn't my father and the father of my other brothers and sisters, they're all perfect. There was no risk for them. So it's the professor told me, actually, that he explained by explaining to me that I was like a little grain of sand on a beach in Ireland. And he said, now, Maria, I want you to imagine that you're this little grain of sand on the beach, on the shore. Now, pick it up. That's you. Now, anywhere you want to go on that beach, pick up another little grain of sand. That's your mammy. Now, pick up another little grain of sand. That's your daddy. And those two little grains of sand made you. You're very, very special, Maria. And I was listening with my eyes, you know, wide open. And he said, now, the difference here is the little grain of sand that you picked up at your daddy. Well, it's not this man here beside you, Patrick McCabe. His name is Teodoro Gonzalez Gonzalez, and he lives in Spain. And when he said that to me, Brendan, I started thinking that my father was Zorro. You know, I was imagining (laughs) like Zorro. (laughs) So I thought I was magic. And as well as that, Brendan, before I lost my sight, which is absolutely it's weird. It's amazing. I used to look at my bedroom window and I was fascinated by the stars. And the more I'd look at them before I lost my eyesight, the more I felt someone up there had a plan for me. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that until today. Look what's happening today, Brendan. Yeah. You know, it's it's like my life is like, it looks like a circle in my mind, full of events and st- circumstances. And these same events, some happy, some sad, they're actually bringing me home to Ireland now on the 16th of January, where I'm going to get this a presidential distinguished service award and um so let's not gloss just, over that now just give me yeah, i want yeah, to tell sorry. me about that no 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 it's perfect but you're, you're bringing just because you're coming back from france so you moved to france in 92 because you met a french man emmanuel couche fell in love I fell in love yes. and you have children now in france and you've been there ever since 32 years i arrived i emigrated like so many of us irish i emigrated we were in the recession at the time in ireland my husband couldn't find work at the time i wanted to start a family so i got pregnant straight away and then um, because he was French he said we had probably a better chance getting a job in France so I emigrated over here with him arrived in Garda Leste which is kind of like O'Connell Street Station but 50 times bigger Mm. and I remember standing there with all my lifelong belongings in a few suitcases and my little baby in my tummy and once again I remember looking up to the heavens Brendan and I said I am going to do in this country exactly what I did in Ireland now, I suppose if you were to put a bet on me at that time, the odds would have been, what, 60 million to one because there's 60 million people here in France. But And I moved to that wee small village, like, I suppose it'd be like moving to Annie Gasson in County Loud. It's like <laughs> one, 500 people in it in the right. middle of nowhere, a rural vi- village. And I had seven beautiful children. Oh, congratulations. And I, seven, and I reared them and I, I did all I could to bring them up in music and the culture of the Irish culture and the French culture. And as soon as the little one was nine, I started to, um, to try and find a way to get back on stage. And because singing is my life, even though my children are my life and still are, singing is just part of me. It's, I can't not sing or I would never be happy. And so, so people I in started. France will know you from the French vo- the voice, but also Irish people will know you from The Voice in 2016. 
the TV show, yeah, The Voice. Yeah, that's when yes. I started. Yeah. yeah, that's when I started. Now, I hadn't been on stage for ages. And you know the way The Voice is. I, could, I was old enough to be all the mothers over <laughs> there, you know. So I was a bit lost. I was a bit like a sore thumb uh, in The Voice at the time. And I wasn't used to that way of going on. You know, it was it's a whole new ball game that those kind of competitions. But it, it was a great teaching for me. I learned what to do. And I was ready then for the French version. But before the French version, why I was picked for the French version is I gave a TED talk. Now, these are kind of talks you give to motivate people. Yeah, no, I know, amazing. And at, at that TED talk, there was the director of, um, an editorial director here in France of from Plum, a major um, publishing company. And he saw me on the TED talk and he invited me to Paris. Now, when I went to Paris, I felt like I was going, I was Lois Lane and I was going to the Daily Planet, you know, to have this big interview. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I really did. And that's what it was like. My daughter Brilliant. told me that with books everywhere. So you got back and on stage and I'm fascinated by this because we started with the Eurovision but you'd love to do the Eurovision again. My dream since uh, since 25, since I came to France, I wrote a song when I was pregnant actually with Shannon. Now Shannon is 27 years of age. It's called Live for Love. Now I wrote it especially for the Eurovision and it's a ballad. It's a, it's just, and it's just my son that accompanies me in it. Now it wouldn't cost RTE a lot of money to put me on <laughs> you the national the pitch, song. Good woman. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Has to be done. <laughs> and I just, me and my son, even just to sing it on national RTE. And you know, the Eurovision's in Sweden this year. Oh, how ironic. Or next year, like. Full Wouldn't circle. Be, you're, like, you're full of circles. Yes. Yeah, very good. You've got it, but listen, before we, run out, before we run out of time, tell listeners the main reason you've been honoured the Presidential Distinguished Service Award for the Irish Abroad for 2023. You're getting your award from the President in Ireland in January. So tell us why you're receiving that award, please. Okay, so I just got word the embassy here in France, um, the Irish ambassador, um, he just rang me and Niall Burgess, his name is, and I thought he was ringing me just to invite me to sing at the embassy for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, Maria, I have a very important news to announce to you. Um, Michael D. Higgins will be presenting you with the a wow. medal, the presidential medal for inclusion and equality. And there wow. you go again, Brendan. For somebody that was completely excluded and hadn't in anything to do with inequality from her birth until for years and years and years, I'm getting this medal for inclusion and equality. And why? Because I'm the ambassadors of a blind association here in France and I go all around France and I give conferences and I'm on radios and TV shows. And I actually went to the government um, la a month ago where I was at a special round table event where we're trying to um, register Braille, Louis, Louis Braille, I suppose we say Bra Braille in yeah. French, that invented Braille with those six little dots that um, make people blind, able to read and write all over the world. And we're trying to register it in um, the Lunisco World Heritage. Great. So I'm part of that. And um, Congratulations. it's just wonderful that I'm coming home and, and that I'm going to be bringing Mammy with me. Amazing. The, That's to, wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing her to Oris um, on Nukturan. That's it, yeah. that's just unbelievable. Listen, unbelievable. Maria Doyle, you could enjoy that award and the very best of luck with everything else you do. You're a magic chat. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brendan. And listen, Brendan, if there's any chance you'll lend me a dress there for that event, no problem. I, I would be delighted. I'll get them to hook us up here. Absolutely delighted to. Of course I will. Okay, please. I'd love that. Don't forget text 51551. 